are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, and we greatly appreciate your support. Today is Tuesday, December 1st. 2021. I am your host, Tidy Gonzalez. No Colby today, but follow us on Twitter anyway at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. New episode dropping for all of our patrons later today. Visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone for more information on that. That. On today's episode of Locked On Mariners, we have a very special guest, Jason Churchill of ProspectInsider.com and the Baseball Things podcast on Patreon. For the next 30 minutes, we'll be talking to Jason about Robbie Ray, what the Mariners will do next, and the impending MLB lockout as a whole. If you like what you hear, give the show a follow or subscribe wherever you listen to this. We greatly appreciate it. Here's the interview. Enjoy. We're here with Jason Churchill, prospectinsider.com and the Baseball Things podcast on Patreon. Colby and I are both subscribers to Baseball Things, and we cannot recommend it enough. Joe Doyle of Prospects Live and Lookout Landing is also now making routine appearances on there, and it's a great listen. Church, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a really busy last few days with the impending lock main up. Uh, do you like the volume of, of deals we've seen, or do you prefer the more spread out nature of a typical offseason? You know, I'm okay either way. I was actually having a conversation uh, with a buddy last night about this. Um, he wants a deadline, you know, like a, like a free agent deadline. And, and you know, that could speed things up. But w- what I don't think would be good for baseball is to have all of them, like all of the signings happen in November, all of the signings happen in December, because there's so much dead time between the end of the season right. and even the start of spring training, let alone the start of, uh, you know, the regular season. And I don't think uh, the majority of fans are into spring training at all. It's just games. So you'd go from late September for most teams all the way to April mm. without there being anything for, for casual fans to care about at all. So uh, I, I do like a deadline, but uh, I, I wouldn't like black out November so it can kind of start in December. And that's essentially what the right. NFL does. Uh, with like the start mm-hmm. of the new season thing always happening like a month or six weeks after the Super Bowl and there being a big dead period. But I don't know. What, what if you put a February 15th, which is generally when spring training starts, kind of a deadline on, you know, healthy free agents? You know, <laughs> what would that do? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think the first thing that I think of is wouldn't that hurt some of the free agents that are still there because they'd have to sign for less. So maybe that's a team friendly thing. So uh, there are ups and downs to all of it, but it's always fun to see. I think the best thing about this, I think you guys probably agree. Mm. You think about the biggest deals that are out there that, that have been made. Corey Seager, obviously, Marcus Semyon in Texas. Uh, Gray also in Texas, obviously, Robbie Ray in Seattle, Gossman in Toronto. You think of all these deals that have been made, and none of them are Dodgers, mm. uh, Cubs, White Sox, Yankees, uh, the Mets did do the Scherzer deal. If you go through like the top 10 deals outside of the Mets, it's been mid-market types. Yeah. It's been, you know, Toronto and Seattle and, and, and places like in San Francisco, bringing back De Scafani and, and, and Alex Wood and, and things like that, that like Boston, 
You know, like what's the biggest thing Boston's done at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, even St. Louis has made a deal with Steven Matz. Like that, I think, is probably the coolest part about it. Now, if we could just get Pittsburgh and Tampa and Oakland and, you know, Cincinnati and, and uh, you know, teams like that to participate. I mean, we've got Miami spending money. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's been the, the the most fun about it is not, it's not just the same old teams every single year getting all of the good players. I think that's the best part. So let's talk Robbie Ray. And for transparency's sake, we're we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, November 30th. So maybe something else has happened with the Mariners. But just going off of uh, the Ray deal, because that's the most recent thing that's happened with the Mariners so far. Five-year, $115 million contract as reported with an option after the third year. Before we get into the player himself, what's your overall thoughts on this deal for the Mariners, both from a structure standpoint and what kind of statement it makes? Yeah, obviously he has the out after uh, after year three, which is a player friendly thing, and mm-hmm. you know really stands to. And for me, it's important. It really stands to. Uh, it, it only really eliminates risk for the team. It gives the player something he might want at thirty two years old. Ray can go back out on the market after pitching in a you know a ballpark that should actually help him being a fly ball guy. Um, but it, it, if anything, it eliminates uh, risk from from Seattle in for year four and year five. So, you know, I certainly have no problem. I think that's a huge benefit to the team. You know, what paying him twenty three million dollars a year? That's number two money. Well, guess what? Robbie Ray is a number two starter. Um, but you can look at it the other way, too. And if you're a Mariners fan, I think that's the way you should be looking at. It. OK, sure. He's not Max Scherzer. He's not an absolute ace. Yes, he won the Cy Young. But is he a guy you expect to be like a top two, three, four Cy Young candidate every year at this point no he's not Garrett Cole Mm -hmm. but you also paid him accordingly you know and I I think that's important here I think that's the going rate right now 20 25 million dollars for a legitimate number two and that's how Ray performed in 2021 that's what Seattle paid for yeah I love that I love everything pretty much about the deal and I think really if you're a Mariners fan you're kind of hoping that he doesn't end up taking that option because that means that he pitched really well and he and he thinks that he's going to get something better by on, on the market at that point so you know this is obviously a guy that's had swing and miss stuff forever but for most of his career he's had some struggles with the walks gave up a ton of home runs in, in 2020 you know this year however he he figured some things out averaged a little under two and a half walks per nine uh he goes on to win the Cy Young as you mentioned um you know did did you notice any obvious changes in his mechanics this year from last and, and really I'll ask you the question that's probably on a lot of Mariners fans minds right now. And you, and you kind of already talked about this a little bit, but to you is that level of production he had this year, or at least something close to that repeatable. I think it is. And you mentioned the, the, the swing and miss stuff. That's not, that that's not new. The 32% uh, is the second highest in his career. And he's been over 30, what, you know, four times now total, Uh, even in his worst year, he was at 27%. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, the stuff is there it, mechanically. Yeah. You see a simplified version, um, it, which helps him repeat. And it's what's important here is what he's repeating. Uh, everything is in sync. Uh, everything is timed properly. It's very, very simple. And, and everybody talks about the grunt. And when you're, you're trying to study Robbie Ray's mechanics, if you, if you have the sound on, you're going to hear the you're going to hear the grunts, but, uh, you know, if you watch how he uses his lower half, it, it's a lot simpler, especially that, that front leg and how he, uh, you know, pronates, you know, at, at the waist and, and uses his hips. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot more to it, uh, before a couple of years, especially back 2018, 2019, uh, with Arizona, there was so much more to it. Uh, he's gotten stronger. 
he's maintained most of his athleticism and, and, and a really simple, well-timed uh, set of mechanics that gets him to release point. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's, you know, it's a 95 mile an hour fastball up to 97. Sometimes that slider is 90, 91 miles an hour. Uh, he's at the top of his game right now. And, you know, some folks are, you know, and there is risk here, obviously, because he's he's had just the one really good season with the with the command. But because the mechanics are different, you have to believe in it to some level. And because um, because he, he sustained it for the entire season, he didn't even have, you know, more than a one or two start stretch where he where he struggled. Um, it was it's pretty mm-hmm. remarkable to be that consistent. And. You know, some of the knocks on him that I'm getting in, in DMs and stuff are, yeah, but, you know, he's never thrown 200 innings. Well, how many pitchers actually throw 200 innings these days? I, I think Ray led the American League uh, in innings pitched in 2021 with 193 and a third and was fifth in, in Major League Baseball. That's the starting pitcher role these days is to go six, not seven and eight. And that's exactly what he's done. So I, I do expect a little bit of regression. Just mm-hmm. because it seems like expecting him to repeat a six point seven percent walk rate is a is a bit crazy, is a bit optimistic. But I expect a thirty plus percent strikeout rate. I expect fifteen percent swing and strike rate. I expect the home run rate to go down because of the ballpark. I think he was around sixteen percent last year, and you mentioned how he struggled with the home run ball the previous years before that. You know, seventeen, eighteen, twenty percent. Uh, one year back in 2019 in Arizona, but the ballpark should help. Polar opposite of uh, of Chase Field uh, coming to T-Mobile Park, uh, which is where Ray came up with, uh, you know, mostly with Arizona. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think most of it's sustainable. Now, if you're telling me he makes 32 starts and throws 190 innings and, you know, walks 8 or 9%, but still strikes out 30, 31%, that's pretty much what I expect, to be honest with you. And, and you know, it's mm-hmm. still a four-win pitcher. You know, that, that's what's going to happen. You know, it's and now we get down to the details like does he stay healthy? Does he make an adjustment the following year? Does he get bad? Does he ever get back to exactly what he did last year? But you know what? One of the things that we're ignoring here is uh, there are arms that are late bloomers. Mm-hmm. Kevin Brown comes to mind. Kevin Gossman, who just signed in Toronto yeah. that Seattle was in on, comes to mind. What if this is just the start for Robbie Ray? And there's actually another half step above what he performed at a year ago. So Mm. we can't entirely ignore that. It's hard to expect that, but we can't completely ignore that because you know that's what Seattle's thinking is possible. And you know for a fact that's what Robbie Ray is thinking is possible, that 2021 was really just the start for him and that maybe he can actually pitch better than he did a year ago. So that's pretty exciting. You get a guy out there who can go toe-to-toe with Justin Verlander, anything that uh, the Angels throw out there, anything that uh, certainly anything the Rangers throw out there as of – the last day here uh, in in November, um, you know, Seattle hasn't had that since Felix was Felix. So, how can he take that next next step, and what what could the Mariners do to maybe help him do that? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of this is going to be maintenance. Um, keep the mechanics together. Uh, I don't think there's necessarily anything you need to change there, or that you. I'm not sure there's another step to take there. I mean, when you walk under seven percent of the batters you face, and and pound the zone, you know, that way. I think it might be pitch development. Um, He's mostly fastball slider. uh, And while the fastball is good and the slider is maybe double plus, um, he doesn't throw his other pitches all that much. I I think in 21, he was almost 60% fastball and 30% slider. So he's only throwing about 10% 
you know, combination curveball changeup. I think it's 6% curveball and he throws a spike kind of knuckle curve. Um, you know, that's really just like once or twice a game. And then the occasional changeup, he's gone games without throwing the changeup before. So maybe there's something to do with one or both of those pitches where you can get a little more, uh, out of one or both of those pitches. He's had seasons where he's thrown the curveball a lot more, especially back in his uh, final three years in Arizona. And he's had seasons where he's thrown the changeup a little bit more, especially really early in his career with Detroit, his first year in Arizona. So maybe there's something there. Um, but I think the ball, as far as just the numbers go, uh, especially the traditional numbers, the ballpark's going to help those. I mean, if you're an ERA innings, you know, wins kind of guy, and, 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 and hopefully you're not, and I know you guys aren't necessarily all over that, but you know, runs allowed, just raw runs allowed could allow a, a pitcher to do a couple of things because of that ballpark. Like if he's not giving up runs because the ballpark is helping him, then he can be a little more aggressive in the strike zone because the fly ball is not going to hurt him as much. And you can stay in games along. Maybe he gets to 200 innings because of that. I mean, Toronto is not the easiest ballpark to pitch in and, and T-Mobile park is certainly more mm. pitcher friendly and he's facing the AOS while there's some bats here. The ballparks are, you know, in general, a little bit more friendly. I mean, Seattle, Oakland, uh, Anaheim, you know, all lean, you know, to the pitcher. Whereas in the American League East, you know, it's Yankee Stadium. You know, Tampa is pretty much all over the map. But, you know, his home ballparks that he pitched in last year, multiple home ballparks, all lean a little bit uh, toward the hitter or severely toward the hitter in, in, in some uh, instances. And, and obviously Fenway and uh, and Baltimore, you know, Baltimore can be a little wishy-washy and sometimes it does favor you know, pitching over certain seasons, but you know, that's a pretty nice trade-off if you're Robbie Ray. Um, you know, that was my first thought when he mm -hmm. signed guys like, you know, why wouldn't Ray at least go to the angels and say, Hey, I'm getting five and 15 from Seattle. Are you willing to match that? Well, the reason might've been, I just believe in, in for myself that this is a better place. And I believe in Seattle more than I do Anaheim. Is it really that difficult to, uh, to get to that point where you think Seattle's better than, I mean, they were better than them last year. Uh, their future certainly looks brighter. Their general manager is competent. Their owner doesn't meddle. I mean, it, it's a lot easier when you dig in, uh, you know, why Ray would actually choose Seattle and not take the full tour. We're going to keep this conversation going in just a minute, but real quick, want to remind you that this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. There are so many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's L O C K E D 15 for 15% off your order at built.com. We're here with Jason Churchill, Prospect Insider. You can find him on Twitter at Prospect Insider. So, Jason, you know, the, the Mariners have filled one of the spots now in, in their rotation vacated by Tyler Anderson and, and Yusei Kikuchi, but they, they still have to fill out the other at, at some point. I'm wondering, 
How do you envision them going about that? And is that just a reunion with Anderson or would you like to see them aim higher? I think if you sign Anderson, he has to be the second of what you do from moving forward. Like, I think it's totally okay if you start the year with six starters. I really do, Uh, especially if one of them is Tyler Anderson, because something's probably going to happen to somebody whether it be in spring training or whatever, uh, the market for Tyler Anderson is going to be key here or the Tyler Anderson types that, uh, that are out there. But I do think they should be shooting higher. Uh, and I believe they are shooting higher. Uh, I'm told that they're still not out on the Reds arms with Luis Castillo at the top of that list. I'm still, uh, hearing that they're hoping Oakland ends up engaging, uh, with some of their arms, with obviously Frankie Montas being the prize there, but Sean Manaya and Chris Bassett are uh, heading into their walk year that that Oakland might be uh, more willing to move mm-hmm. those guys. Seattle certainly have interest in, in seeing what uh, what a Manaya or a Bassett would cost, because when you look at that rotation, if you're truly believing you can compete, that rotation has to get better at the top. If Marco Gonzalez starts the season as your second best starter. Because I think we can all agree, at least right now, in terms of reliability and 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 full capability, what they've proven they can do on the hill, uh, you know, year in and year. Marco Gonzalez is their second best starter. If he starts the season as their mm-hmm. second best starter, that's not a good rotation. It's a better rotation than it was a year ago, certainly with Ray at the top and with Gilbert there all year and with time under his belt. But we don't know what we're going to see from him. Uh, I don't know what we're going to see from Chris Flexen, who doesn't miss bats and relies on the ballpark, and now the league has a full book on him. Uh, I'm not really sure what to make of Chris Flex, and he's a fascinating conversation, but if Seattle wants to compete with Houston and compete with whatever the Angels do and make sure they keep the Rangers in their rear, rear view, uh, you, you need another guy. You need another, uh, you know, at least a three. And I think an Alex Wood or a Dave Scalfani would have been good enough, but, I, I, you know, Marcus Stroman, you know, would certainly fit that. Uh, I don't see him going down that path. Uh, I think it's going to happen via trade, but they're certainly in on on everybody. Uh, they made calls on Stephen Matz as well. Uh, they mm-hmm. actually talked about Matz and talked to his representatives before they went the Robbie Ray route. Um, so, yeah, I think you have to shoot higher if you're Seattle. And, and, and I think spending $115 million and committing that uh, to Robbie Ray suggests that 2022 – uh, like they mean, you know, like their intent, their their words that Jerry's been speaking and that in some way John Stanton's been speaking and Scott Services been speaking kind of, you know, at fans on, you know, during interviews, the the postseason uh, conference, press conference um, a few days after the year ended. It's all been about we really think we're headed in the right direction, but it's more than that. We really think we can actually compete and contend next year. And while they have a long way to go, probably further than most fans thought, because you look at 90 wins, and you think they're really, really close. Mm-hmm. They understood how far away they are, and it really sounds like they fully intend on filling those gaps somehow. So uh, I'd be a little surprised if they ended up having to go the, the Tyler Anderson route. But, uh, you know, you could do worse. You certainly could do worse, and you do have Matt Brash and, and Brandon Williamson and George Kirby coming at some point, mm-hmm. but I think you have to aim higher, and I think they are. So aside from the Reds guys, aside from the A's guys, are there any other starting pitchers out there potentially in the trade market that maybe Mariners fans are overlooking that they might be in on, maybe John Means or someone along those lines? 
Yeah, John Means. There's actually a lot of buzz about John Means uh, right now, and and I'm not necessarily hearing Seattle is is connected to it, but I'd be surprised if they didn't, you know, at least call. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple other guys um, to to think about. What what in the world is Arizona doing right now? And and every time I bring up the Diamondbacks, everybody's like, "Yes, Cattell Marte, get me Marte and stick him in center." Well, he's terrible in center. He's more of a second baseman. Does he still fit? Maybe. But what about some of their arms there? What about Merrill Kelly as a four? What about Zach Gallen as a three or a de facto two to uh, stick between the two lefties at the uh, at the top of your rotation? If you go Robbie Ray, Zach Gallen, Marco Gonzalez, that's a pretty good one, two, three. Is it top five in Major League? No, but that's a really good place to be. Uh, to start the year, you balance that rotation a little bit. Gallant's had some really good years. You put him in more of a pitcher's uh, ballpark and and kind of see what happens to his home run rates and and things of that nature. He's he's not as severe a uh, uh, a fly ball guy as Robbie Ray, but he's still you know he's still going to throw throw the ball up in the zone and and hitters are going to be able to lift his stuff. Um, you know, there's some folks out there that are a little worried about his uh, his ability to miss bats. Is starting to to you know to wane a little bit but still we're talking about at very worst a league average starter um zach gallon to me makes a ton of sense i know he's not the uh mm-hmm. uh you know he's he's not luis castillo he's not frankie montas he's not as big a name but uh you know we're talking about a guy with uh with a little less than three full years of experience he's 26 years old uh controlled through 2025 Mm-hmm. Um, so he's certainly cheap, you know, is, is he going to be cheap to acquire? No, but I still think you can stay away from your top three or four and go make a deal with, uh, with Arizona. So maybe a Zach gallon makes him. And if you don't want to spend, you know, that much and you really just want a four, um, you know, or a five uh, again, stay in Arizona. Talk about Merrill Kelly. He's a little older. Uh, you know, he's, he's on a deal right now that takes him through 2022, but he won't be free agent eligible. Uh, once that's over because of service time, I think he enters 2022 with just three years of service time, but we're looking at another around league average kind of guy, mm-hmm. um, with a little bit of upside. He's got a 180 inning season under his belt, 160 inning season under his belt after coming over from KBO. So, you know, he's a little bit like, uh, like Chris Flexen. He's not going to miss a lot of bats, mm-hmm. but he's still going to give you innings. He's reliable. I, I think he's really interesting as well. And he'd obviously be cheaper than uh, than Zach Gallen. Uh in Pittsburgh. Um JT Brubaker is a name that I keep bringing up. You know, what is Pittsburgh actually going to try to do if they're entertaining offers for Brian Anderson, why wouldn't they also be entertaining offers for JT Brubaker? So if we learn that the the Reynolds stuff is uh is legitimate, uh the, the center fielder the switching center fielder then then obviously somebody like Brubaker would make some sense to ask about as well and he's another pretty good mid-rotation guy that's heading north. Um, you know, we talked about the Marlins guys yeah. over the off season, but uh, I think that's pretty much what you're looking at there. And, and you know, I, I think as teams, you know, fail to fill holes or see the market develop, the trade market develop after free agents start to, you know, get pulled off the board. I think that's when more of these uh, these clubs start to decide, hey, we should actually sell. Mm-hmm. We should actually trade this guy because the market is. Uh, you know, is kind of hopping for this uh, this sort of thing. So that's kind of what I expect with the uh, the starting pitching market now that Gossman and Ray and Scherzer are off the board. That we're going to start hearing more about trades right now. Yeah. So keep John Means, even though he's another lefty. You know, Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen, guys like that. JT Brubaker. Keep those guys in mind on top of the more obvious types like the Cincinnati trio and uh, and the three in uh, in Oakland. 
So most of the focus has been on the likes of Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, Chris Taylor. We'll talk about them um, in a little bit. But the Mariners are also looking to upgrade in the outfield as well, particularly in center field. Uh, but options to be generous are, are pretty bare right now. So I'm curious, what, what are some ways you think they can navigate that and find someone capable of playing center field for them in 2022? Yeah, I think the way I look at it right now, without subtracting somebody that's in the mix right now, somebody like Kyle Lewis, without subtracting Lewis from the equation, I still like mm-hmm. the idea of a guy like Kevin Kiermaier, who's making more money than Tampa really wants to to pay him. Uh, he's still mm-hmm. capable at the plate, at least in a in a limited role. He's still a very good defensive player. He would instantly become by far your best defensive outfielder, and you can probably get him for, I don't want to say nothing, but cheap enough. Um, if you're going to take on most or all of that salary, because that's what Tampa is about. So uh, somebody like that would make a lot of sense. They really need uh, that guy to be a left-handed bat. Um, Mm -hmm. So that does kind of limit things a little bit, but there are other ways to alleviate that. So if you fall into a, to a right-handed version of that, uh, or you have to go the route of a a Victor Robles who might be available in Washington, uh, take a flyer on him or uh, you know, or somebody like, uh, Kevin Pillar, who's on the market, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's just a guy who's going to play 50 to 70 games and it's going to be Lew- a combination of Lewis and, and Kelnick and center for the other games, then then you can certainly make that work. Um, a- another interesting name, like if we're talking about Jared Kelnick and Kyle Lewis ultimately sharing that spot in 2022, because that, that's that's where we are right now. Like Hanniger's not going to play there. Fraley probably yeah. shouldn't play there, but he could also be in the mix. But we're talking about you know, fringy, you know, at best. Um, and I think Lewis is, is about average. We're not really sure what that most recent knee injury is going to do to his, uh, to his range, but mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at 45, you're probably going to get a 45 overall performance at a center field. If you play those three guys in center field, well, you know, who else is a fringe center fielder, Ian Happ, and he's a mm-hmm. left-handed bat with some ability and, you know, what are the Cubs doing? Like they're certainly not being aggressive. So, you know, why wouldn't you go out and see, what uh what Ian Happ can uh, can bring to the table, and he does bring a little bit of positional flexibility with him, having played a little bit of second base. Again, not that you'd want to play him there much, and, and, and he's not an all star or anything. I don't even think he's ever been a two win player, mm-hmm. uh, but he's got some pop at twenty five home runs last year. Uh, you know, the strikeout rates are what 29 percent, but he'll draw some walks. Uh, he only had two twenty six last year, but his OBP was above league average. Uh, to go with those 25 home runs. Uh, he was essentially Kyle, you know, Seeger at the plate last year. Would you take that guy with fringe average defense in center field? Uh, as long as it didn't cost you something in your, you know, your top eight or 10, y- you might, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we're talking about a guy who is a free agent after the 23 season. So you'd essentially get him for, for two seasons. I think a guy like Ian Hatt could, uh, could make a lot of sense in Seattle as well. Uh, one of the names that people keep throwing at me is, is, uh, Jock Peterson, but he belongs nowhere near center field anymore. Yeah. I think Ian Happ's actually better in center than Jock Peterson. Peterson's defense in center has fallen faster than anything I can remember. Any specific skill in uh, in Major League Baseball I can remember. I mean, even faster than Felix Hernandez's sinker uh, <laughs> effectiveness. Uh, Peterson just flat out can't play center field anymore. It's really weird. But uh, but Ian Happ is okay, mm-hmm. you know, out there. I, I think at least you know sharing that role, he'd be fine. 
More Mariners talk on the way with Jason Churchill of Prospect Insider and Baseball Things. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts all right so let's talk about the infielders uh right now tons of rumors going around about story bryant taylor uh they've all been heavily linked to the mariners for some reason bryant is talking to the to the rockies that's strange but let me just ask you this straight up who's the best fit of that group in your mind for the mariners uh, i definitely think it's not trevor story um Trevor Story's value is as a shortstop. Now, if you want to take a little bit of that away and play him at second, I think you can make that work depending on what you're paying mm-hmm. him. But if you're expecting Trevor Story to come in and hit 280 with 30 home runs, uh, T-Mobile Park's not the place that he's probably going to do that. So you have to be concerned about what he's going to do away from Coors anyway. And then you're throwing him in one of the top, what, five to eight pitchers parks in baseball. Uh, a park that suppresses fly balls still not as much as it used to, but it still does. Um, and then you're going to, you know, you're going to ask him to move in this scenario to third base, or you're going to ask him to play second and you're going to move Adam Frazier to third base uh, and share time with Abraham Toro. I just don't think that fits. I don't think it's ideal at all. Mm-hmm. And I think you end up paying for a player and, and then taking away his, uh, his greatest ability to help you. And that's defensively at shortstop where he's above average. Uh, Chris Bryant's the guy. Um, and, and, and it really sucks that we're sitting here talking about one option now. Losing out on Marcus Semyon at second base, while it hurts, I mean, the chances that they were going to be able to get Semyon weren't great anyway because lots of teams are going to be involved. And we saw what happened uh, with the offer the Texas Rangers made, and Semyon jumped mm-hmm. all over it. But what that does is it it really narrows down the possibilities. It's really Chris Bryant or bust in terms of free agent third baseman. If you want to get a big bat for your infield, that's it. It's Chris Bryant. Now, fans out there are freaking out because it's like, what if we don't get Bryant, then what? And this is a conversation Joe Doyle and I have had on baseball things uh, the last couple of days. There are lots of ways, and I've been preaching this for weeks, there are lots of ways to make, uh, to put together a lineup that's pretty good without adding Simeon, without adding Story, without adding Chris Bryant. Uh, yep. Maybe Chris Taylor is part of that um, in, a, in, a, you know, in, the, in basically the same role that he's, he's carried in, in, uh, in Los Angeles with the Dodgers, playing a little second, filling it short, maybe play a little third, play a little left, and he can even play a little bit of center field for you. Uh, but I think you do it with more pieces. I think you do it with, uh, with quantity instead of just leaning on quality. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we talk about... Uh, we talk about how good the Rays are in a lot of things, but let's just look at that team and their results. Who in that lineup scares you? Who in that li- like this is a serious question? Yeah. Who in the Rays lineup are you like? Well, you have to be really careful with it. none, right? The answer yeah. is none, I guess, until they got Nelson Cruz at right. some point last year. Then they're like, well, he he's going to hit the ball 450 feet if we're not careful. But they've been in the World Series and and won a division without a single guy in their lineup that you're actually you actually go in the game worried about. Zero. It's remarkable. And it's because 
They have eight or nine quality hitters in the lineup just about everything. Guys that make contact, guys that have some power, guys that hit the ball all over the field, guys that uh, draw walks. There are a lot of ways. It's not just about hitting home runs and and, and having guys that fit in, in the traditional like two, three, four, five holes of a lineup. There are a lot of ways to do it. Imagine having a third base platoon of, say, oh, Jonathan VR and Abraham Toro. And you're using Frazier at second base mostly, but Toro can play there. VR can actually play there as well. Mm -hmm. And let's say you go out and you get a Michael Conforto for the outfield and you go get a bench piece like Kevin Pillar to fill in in center field. And and you're using uh, Toro and Terenz for about 300 to 400 plate appearances a year. So that leaves a lot of the D8 spots open. So you'll be able to play Conforto in, in right field, leaving Lewis slash Pillar in center and Kelnick in left. And you can put Hanniger at DH, or you can put Kalnick at DH, or you can put Lewis at DH. There's a lot of ways you can do that. You're not getting great defense out of center field, but all of a sudden, that's a pretty good lineup because where's the biggest hole? Other than catcher, every hitter in that lineup has showed us something. You know, even Kalnick in left field the last five plus weeks of 2021 showed us something. And you have a backup plan there if he doesn't hit. And that's shipping back to Tacoma and play Lewis, Hanniger, and Conforto together and, and make Torrens the regular DH. There are a lot of ways to go about building uh, a lineup that can score you, you know, four and a half to five runs a game, uh, you know, helping the club win, helping the club compete with the Astros. I, I get a lot of questions about how does Seattle build an offense that's as good as the Astros? Well, first of all, they don't have to. They don't have mm-hmm. to do that. And you can be better at a lot of things, defense, base running, pitching, you know, rotation, bullpen, things like that. And Seattle has an edge in some of those areas already over Houston. You just have to get an offense that can consistently produce runs instead of what we've seen the last couple of years, even in 2021, where, you know, there were, you know, we saw it, you know, a lot of nights where it seemed like they just didn't have a chance and it, and they're facing a, you know, a middling pitcher or a pitcher they've never faced before, or a pitcher casual fans have never even heard of. Um, but yeah, if you miss out on Bryant, because I think he really is the key for the big fish uh, to get something around the infield. I think that's you know, free agency wise. He's if you miss out on uh, on Chris Bryant, you're probably going to attack this with quantity over quality. So you'd have more averageish hitters, and you'd have you know significantly fewer above average to plus hitters. Uh, because you might only have one or two, but you can still score a lot of runs that way. And the Tampa Bay Rays are the perfect example of that. Yeah. So, of course, there are a ton of variables when it comes to free agents, and the casual fan often loses sight of that. I know for a lot of Mariners fans, every free agent is realistically on the table, but you and I both know that's not the case. However, mm-hmm. you know, disregarding that for a moment and just strictly talking about talent and the contract they signed was there a deal or maybe even a trade that you've seen this winter where you went man it would have been nice for the mariners to do that uh that's a really good question i i think uh i think the opposite actually because they were interested in steven mattson and he gets four years you know i I think i'm the other way i haven't really seen a lot of overpays that the steven matt's contract is probably the closest because he's so risky he just you know he's good when healthy he's one of those guys um Mm. Yeah, I haven't really seen, you know, a whole lot of it. I think once the trades actually start to happen a little more, we're probably going to see that. But in terms of, you know, what's happened so far in the three weeks since uh, since everything opened up, I haven't really seen a lot of that. I mean, there are a lot of like, hey, that player would have made sense. But it's not like, yeah, the Mariners should have bettered that deal. Should they have gone 7-175 and on Marcus Semien? No. 
No. Should they have gone eight and one ninety on Marcus Semien? Of course not. No. Should they have gone ten and three twenty five on Corey Seager? No. Not that it would have mattered, but no. Um, should they blow everybody out of the water for Chris Bryant to make sure they get him? No. And and, and I'm going to use this moment to reiterate this, and I think you guys are on board. Like everybody wants the Mariners to just spend, 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 and I totally get it. And can they afford to do it? Yes. John Stant can afford to spend two hundred and fifty million dollars a year on payroll. And the team would still make money or come close to breaking even, and the ownership would never be the worse for it. But that's not reality. And Jerry DePoto has a budget. And while we don't know what that budget is, we know it's not over the luxury tax. We know that, at least for this year, there's no goal to get to $150 million or $120 million or $170 million. So we have to think along with Jerry DePoto and his front office about how they go about things and how they're going to ramp up the roster. Everybody wants the payroll to be ramped up, but how about just build a good roster? You know, pretty much no matter what it takes, it might take more than this year. And, and I think that's something that that fans should realize that yeah, we're probably going to get to the start of the season and you're going to look at the roster and go, okay, yeah, you know, it, it's a lot better, but I still don't really love it. That That's fair. And that that's probably going to be true. To be honest with you, I think I'm going to love it. You know, uh, knowing that Kelnick can bust that, uh, and I mean bust through and, and be good, and and, yeah. and Julio Rodriguez could come up and and be really good right away, and uh, Cal Raleigh can take a huge step forward, and Ty France can still take a huge step forward, and Toro can take a huge step forward. Like everything is really open to trend in the right direction, and there's very few opportunities for things to go south, and I think that's really important for fans to uh for fans to realize like if if i told you that ty france was going to go 300 370 530 this year with 30 home runs there'd be a little bit less pressure to grab chris bryant at third base went there mm-hmm. like ty france was good last year yeah but what if he was great yeah what if he was basically freddie freeman right like that changes the that's possible that's absolutely plausible that happens uh mitch hanniger there's still a step for mitch hanniger to get yeah. back you know, some of the hit tool that he showed, you know, prior to the injuries, like the power, love it. It's there. He's going to hit 30 bombs if he stays healthy. Um, but, you know, maybe he can hit 270, 340 while hitting those 30, 35 home runs mm-hmm. instead of what he did a year ago, which was give in a little bit on some of the patience that he showed. So uh, there are a lot of ways this team can get better, you know, offensively. I I, I just think it's, uh, uh, it's important, I think, for, um, you know, to, for fans to stay engaged. So the more Seattle does, you know, the better, but I, I just, I don't look around and go, yeah, the Mariners should have done that. It, it's really hard for me to get to that space. It's really hard for me guys to, to, to really sympathize with fans, even after 20 years of, you know, junk baseball, essentially to go. Yeah. I totally get why they just, you know, they want the Mariners to better every single deal mm-hmm. because all it takes is an adult brain to say, hey, it's November 30 or it's December 8 or it's December 20. They've signed Robbie Ray. Sometimes, you know, things things just don't happen, you know, in, in some, you know, order by design. Like, it's not like Jerry's like, all right, number one, here's what we're going to do. And if we don't, mm-hmm. we're screwed. And number two, no, it's like, hey, this could go one of a thousand ways, both today, tomorrow for the whole off season, and the next three years. There are thousands of different ways you know, it can go. And there are a lot of different results that can happen. But man, sometimes like you see the path the Braves took, you see the path the Astros took, you see the path the White Sox took, you see what's going on in Minnesota, where it's been, there's been a lot of up and down, like that can happen. 
and and it's not a failure if the Mariners head into 2022 looking like an 88 win team. Uh, I fully expect that to be the case. They look like an 88 win team, but the ceiling is still probably going to be 95 wins mm-hmm. or more because of all the young talent that they're bringing up. So, Jason Churchill, prospect insider, baseball things podcast on Patreon. You should go subscribe to it. Jason, anything else you want to uh, plug before we hop off here? Uh, not really. You know, I'm just kind of, to be honest with you, I'm with everybody else and I'm kind of sitting on pins and needles for the rest of uh, uh, today. And uh, just to kind of see what happens, if anything. And there's a lot of buzz right now, but so far we're most way through the day and not a whole lot's happened. So, uh, you know, Mariners pull off another thing. We'll, you know, we'll record on it. And uh, uh, I will remind folks that Luke Arkins is carrying Prospect Insider right now with some really good stuff. And he had some uh, interesting stuff to say. He's an incredible content creator. And uh, uh, sometimes I forget to go back and catch up on his stuff. And I, I learn something new. He looks at things through a, a, an entirely different lens than I do. And it really helps me to uh, to see what he's thinking and, and the, because it's all, it's all facts. It's all research. It's facts, it's numbers. And then a, uh, you know, the interpretation of those numbers is very straight and narrow. So I love what Luke's doing over at prospect insiders. So if you get a chance, go check out what he's had to say about, uh, about Robbie Ray, some pretty good, uh, some pretty important numbers, uh, especially in regards to fly balls, which I think is uh, pretty key for Robbie Ray moving forward. That was Jason Churchill, a prospect insider and baseball things. We really appreciate him coming on and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. It was a lot of fun. That's going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. I'm Tidane Gonzalez. Be sure to give the show a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making Locked On Mariners your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate the support. Be sure to check us out tomorrow for what is more than likely going to be the first of many lockout episodes. However, ESPN's Buster Only has reported that the Mariners may be working on signing a third baseman, so perhaps we will have one more new move to talk about before the league shuts down for the foreseeable future. Fingers crossed. But in the meantime, make your second listen of the day. Locked on bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on bets hosted by your boy Q and expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And just like us, their show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow.